Well, thank you guys for allowing me to come and speak to you today. Uh, we talked over the last two months, we've had two things that we, we heard about. We heard about our need for margin in our life from Brian, and we also heard of our need for Sabbath in our lives. Today, I'm going to talk to us about our need for trusting God in our lives, and I've entitled my story, Our Journey to Trust in God. So my wife, Cheryl, and I have three boys, Matt, Jason, and Eric, and early on in our marriage, we had a really normal family life. We'll celebrate 34 years this August of being married, so we've been together a long time, and I don't know how Cheryl puts up with me for that long, but she has. But regardless of that, when you look at our family growing up with the boys, there was no dysfunction. There was nothing unusual. There was, we were just an average American family. Cheryl and I had a strong relationship with Jesus right from the very beginning. Now, we wanted our boys to have a very strong relationship with Jesus as well. And I was going to tell you that we raised our boys that way, but it wouldn't quite be true if I said that. I will say Cheryl worked very hard to raise the boys to have a strong relationship with Jesus. I took the boys to church, and I let the church raise the boys to have a strong relationship with Jesus. You see, I was very, very busy working. To me, I was climbing the corporate ladder, and that was the most important thing, was to work really hard to provide for my family. So that's what I did. Now, I was involved in church. I taught adult Sunday school. I taught Wednesday night youth. From the outside, I looked like a committed Christian and a devoted father. I really wasn't, though. Everything that I did was meant to get, up, get me ahead at work, and those things were just things I did because I thought I had to. So time was a short supply. Time was a commodity that was rare for me. We had lot, not a lot of margin, a lot, not a lot of Sabbath in our lives. Now, I'm going to fast forward several years into our marriage, and our oldest boy, Matt, he graduated from high school. He bought a house, got married, moved out. still married to the same woman, doing very, very well. At this time, when he moved out, our youngest boy and my, and my middle son, Jason, the two of them were doing really well in school, making good grades, playing sports. They were great at sports, had dreams of having scholarships, especially Jason. Cheryl and I thought we, things were going really, really well, and we were well on our way to being empty nesters. We were happy. We were, we were seeing things going in the right direction. That's when things began to turn south. Jason started having problems in school. He, got, he lost interest in sports. He started making bad grades. Didn't, sh- didn't show up at school. Got in trouble. By the time he was in 12th grade, he was kicked out of school because he was breaking into lockers. The reason he was breaking into lockers, he was stealing money to support his habit. He, w- he had a drug and an alcohol habit that was unbelievably bad. And he was only in 12th grade. Over the next four years, he went in and out of county jails. As part of that going in and out of county jails, um, he picked up two felony charges, and the two felony charges he picked up were for forgery. He completely stopped going to church, and he was totally, <clears throat> excuse me, totally sold out to his drugs and his alcohol. So it was a tough time, but Cheryl and I never, ever, ever during any of that time lost faith in God. We always trusted that God would make everything good. Now, I'm going to move ahead again to around 2011, because in 2011, it seemed like things were probably on the right track. Jason met Lauren. They started dating, and they got married. Now, Lauren was a lot like Jason. She had alcohol problems, but she also had this beautiful year-and-a-half-old daughter. 
Now, both Jason and Lauren got jobs here at the church, and they worked on the custodial staff. It was a great place for them to work, and it was the right place for them to be, and they got a lot of support from this church. So things seemed like it was going good. Uh, They stayed sober. Eric moved out of the house. Cheryl and I were true empty nesters. We were traveling. We were doing things with our friends. We were having a lot of fun and a lot of good times together. And we had, the best thing was we had two beautiful granddaughters that we could spoil and send back home. So everything was going, was going well. I was spending a lot of time, though, counseling Lauren and Jason and encouraging them. At least that's what I told myself I was doing. The reality was they had a few problems, and I was trying to fix them. And that was probably the start of when I stopped trusting God and started to fix things on my own. And so about a year after Reagan was born, things started to change. Jason and Lauren started drinking again. They started having marital problems. And we, Cheryl and I were trying to encourage and counsel, i.e. fix them, and do what we could to get them going in the right direction. On November 7, 2012, was Jason's birthday. That day, he and Lauren were fighting a lot. They were fighting an awful lot. I ended up having to call the police. They broke in. He, he, Lauren came out of the house. He locked himself in the house with the girls and is staying off with the police. Not a good deal. So here you had Jason in the house, locked in with, with these two little girls. Lauren standing on the corner yelling the F word at every car that came by, super drunk, encouraging them with a bird finger to mind their own business. And I'm sitting there stupidly arguing with her. Instead of just praying about it, whatever, I'm arguing with her. So not a good night. And I can lay the picture for you perfectly. It's nighttime. The police are there. Two different news groups are there. There's the drunken, the drunk parents, husband and wife, the upset in-laws, two little kids locked in the house with their dad. The only thing that was missing was the theme song from Cops, Bad Boys. I mean, there, it, was, it was just like what you see on TV. It was not a very good night. And I wish I could tell you that was the worst night we had. That would be as far from the truth as you could possibly get. That was just one of many. There was one night, Christmas Eve, where Jason came to the house very drunk. And he was, when, I, when Cheryl and I confronted him, he had threatened us, and he was very close to assaulting us. He was pushing us and very close to assaulting us, and he's a big kid. And when he's drunk, he he's, gets into a rage that's uncontrollable. I tricked him into going outside, and when he went out, I locked the door behind him. So he stood there trying to kick the door in, and I called the cops. We don't live anywhere close to here, and so being Christmas Eve, the sheriff said it would be at least a half an hour, if not 45 minutes, before they got there. So you can picture this scene. He's trying to kick the door in, and while he's doing that, I'm on the phone with the 911. It's not a good night, guys. Somewhere in all of that, I completely, completely lost all faith that God was going to take care of things. I got tired of waiting on him. I started fixing things myself because I got completely tired of waiting on him. And that was a huge, huge mistake. 
huge, huge mistake. Because at that point, <clears throat> I stopped trusting God completely. I wish I could say that I, could, that I handled it well. I didn't. I tried very hard to handle it well. But I became very task-oriented. Now, I will tell you, I prayed to God a lot. But here's what I prayed for. I prayed for God to answer the prayer the way I wanted him to answer it. And then I tried to fix it. I did everything I could to make that be the outcome instead of trusting God. So it was a very, very tough time. And it was not, in a a course, the more I tried to fix it, the worse it got. Now, two months after Jason got arrested, um, Lauren lost her job here at the church, and she got a job at Sam's Hamburgers. She left for work one day and never came back. So so we had a three-year-old and a -a year-and-a-half-old granddaughter, daughters that, that we were now raising. Our son was in jail, and we had no idea where Lauren was. So... Of course, what do I do? I go into full fix-it mode. Cheryl, she walked around the house like we were, like she was at a funeral. And I mean like she was at a funeral. I, it, all she was missing was the black dress. It was a very, very tough time. And I just tried to take care of everything still. Still didn't trust in God. And the result of my not trusting in God was completely disastrous. We were dealing with an alcoholic daughter-in-law who hung around with a very, very rough crowd. We didn't see her, but she would call, she would text, she would threaten. But she hung around with a very rough crowd. There were white supremacists, there was drug dealers, there was gang members, um, there was, you name it, if they were criminals, she was friends with them. And every once in a while, I would get phone calls from them threatening me, or texts from them threatening me, and it was a very tough time. I mean, our lives were completely out of control and unmanageable. We felt alone. We felt hopeless. We felt completely abandoned by God. And the more we searched for God or tried to work for God, and guys, work for God is the key phrase there, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second, the worse it got. You see, I really wanted to fix everything. I wanted to help God take care of this. I wasn't patient. I wasn't waiting on Him. I wasn't trusting God in my life. What I should have been doing is reading the Scriptures um, coincidentally, I was, I was preparing this. Uh, this was a scripture used Saturday night in Mosaic, but when the Israelites were stuck between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's charging armies, God gave them one simple command in Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. I can tell you that I've, I'm sure I felt God in my heart telling me to, to be still and be silent. I'm sure I felt God in my heart telling me to leave it to him and just watch the works that he did for me. But I didn't listen. I tried to work more and more on his behalf. I fought with Lauren. I threatened people she had call me. I argued with Cheryl. I tried to make the girls happy. And I threw myself into work as a way to forget a pretty miserable and unhappy home life. We were completely miserable. We were unhappy, and it showed. Now, I will say that during this time, Cheryl and I were very, very active in church. We were doing a lot of different things, but here's the problem. None of what we were doing was for the right reason. Everything was, we were doing was us trying to do things for God. I wanted God, I, I felt like if I did these things, God would reciprocate, and he would fix this. 
I wanted God to reward me for my hard work on his behalf. So it, I might as well have been working for my salvation because that's exactly what I was doing, was working for a favor from God. During all of that time that I was doing that, when God didn't answer the way I wanted him to, I became pretty bitter. Pretty soon I also became overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, excuse me. And that's when sin raised its ugly head. I began to get involved in some very unwholesome sins, really bad ones. And I got addicted to it really bad. I couldn't stop. I hit it well. None of you guys ever suspected. My wife never suspected. Nobody at work, nobody anywhere ever did. I hit it really, really well. But I was, but I was miserable. I was miserable inside every single day. Our lives fell apart. We had no margin. We had no Sabbath. We just couldn't go on like that anymore. When we were at our darkest point, I cried out to God for help and mercy. I confessed my sin to him. I confessed my need to him. I, forget, I confessed everything about everything that was going on in our lives to him. I told him I was, that I've lived in fear every single day of failure. I lived in fear of what was going to happen to the girls. I lived in fear of my marriage. I lived in fear of everything. I told him I was tired. I was worn out. I was sick of not having a relationship with him. And I was sick of not trusting him. I was just plain sick. I even thought about killing myself. That's how bad things were. Isaiah, at that point, Isaiah 41.13 probably best describes the change in my life because for the very first time, I actually felt God's involvement in all of this. That verse says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. That promise became very real to me. God put people in our lives who had been through everything we were going through. The people that I don't know, maybe some of you all know Vicki and Wayne Kennedy. Um, they're members here at the church, and Vicki works at the church. But they had been through what we had been through, and Mark Schatzman suggested they call us. So we met them up one day up at Iron Horse, and we walked through this with them. And it, they were a godsend. They were lifesavers for us. For the first time, we felt like somebody knew what we were going through and somebody understood. There was no condemnation from them, no criticism. We finally found somebody who could mentor us, counsel us, guide us, pray for us, pray with us. It It was awesome. I can't even begin to describe what it was like. I backed off work and I stopped hiding at the office. We started going to celebrate recovery. And I gave up my destructive habits, got myself right with God, and got heavily involved there as well. When we started doing all these things, we started seeing all having the girls with us as a positive. It was no longer a negative. We didn't see all the bad. We started seeing all the good. All the things that, that if you remember from your kids, going and seeing them in their plays and seeing them all those things, their parents weren't there. They didn't get to see all that stuff. We even saw Reagan take her first steps, and they weren't there. 
Those are all the things that we got to see, and we started seeing the good instead of all the negative. I found margin in my life. I found Sabbath in my life. Our family relationship got better. Cheryl stopped feeling like she was at a funeral. We had time for the Lord both at church, and we had time for the Lord at home. It was a, it was a, it was a great feeling. The change was real, guys, and it was lasting. We did get involved in more activities at church, but the big difference was God prompted us to do these things. It wasn't me deciding I was going to do them. It wasn't me working for God. It wasn't me trying to fix things. It wasn't me hoping God would do me something in return. We were doing things because God wanted us to. We started leading the grandparents' as parents community group here. We started, we work in the nursery with the five-year-olds two or three Saturdays every month. I got involved in prison ministry. Cheryl, which I just absolutely love about her, is she comes on, she has such a loving heart. On Friday nights at Celebrate Recovery, if she sees somebody that she knows is hurting or looks like they're new, she goes over and sits and talks with them and welcomes them. It's been a huge change, and it's life, it's, it's true, it's stayed that way. I lost my job at Walmart last July, for, and that was the second time that happened to me. And you can obviously see I'm still there because God placed me somewhere. But if it would have happened, I found out later, it was supposed to happen a month sooner than it did. If it would have happened when it did, we would not have been able to adopt the girls in, in um, June like we did. Because I would not have been employed. So that was a godsend. That was a God thing. I never lost faith in any of that time. And... It was a good feeling not to to be able to trust in God and not lose faith. So in summary, here's what I hope you'll hear in my story, besides saying my emotional outbursts. We're guys and we want to fix it because we think we can. But if we fix things by not trusting in God, it's never going to work. Anything that we try to do that doesn't include God in that equation is never going to turn out the way we want it to. In fact, it'll probably be as far from the opposite of what we want it to. He isn't going to do what, what's our will, but is, what's his. And if you want the words of Isaiah 41.13 to come true in your life, then I encourage you to stop trying to fix things if you're doing that. Stop trying to influence the outcome if you're doing that. Put everything before God and trust God, because I can tell you, I live for that, and I live that difference, and it is a tremendous difference now to three, four years ago. So put your trust in God. And let him be in control of your life. That's it. Thanks, guys.